disappointment, strife and discontentment, I cast my every care upon the Lord. No matter what obsession, pain or deep depression, I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm standing on the rock of ages, safe from every storm, all the storms that rages, rich in love I'm rich, but not from Satan's wages, I'm standing on the solid rock. Temptations hide me. I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm standing, standing on the rock, on the rock, rock, the rock, rock of, of ages, ages, safe from every storm. All the storms that rages, rich in love I'm rich, but not from Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. Now I'm pressing onward, each step leads me homeward, I'm trusting in my Savior day by day. And close is our relation, firm is its foundation, so on this solid rock I'll stay. I'm standing on the rock, on the rock, rock of ages, safe from every storm, all the storms that rages, rich in love I'm rich, not from Satan's wages, I'm standing on the solid rock, I'm standing on the solid rock. Amen. Yes, that's right. Man, that's good. I love that. Standing on the rock. Well, we got a whole bunch of verses to get to. Let's get right to this thing. I'm excited and ready to go this evening. I got a, a message that I'm excited to preach. Looking forward to it. You know, you read some of those Old Testament chapters, books of the Bible, and you find stories that you kind of just forgot about. Like, wow, that's interesting. Or Ooh, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Some of them, you know, a lot of crazy stuff going on there. You think the Bible's not very interesting? You haven't been reading it. You haven't. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And you know what? It takes a lot. I say this, I'm not too proud of this, but it takes a lot to keep my, to hold my attention. I was the guy, I was the guy in school, man. I, I was out there. <laughs> What's going on? What? What did we talk about for the last half hour? I don't know. I, I, it was hard for me to focus, all right? hard to keep my attention. I was going here, going there. I was thinking about this thing, that thing, the other thing. And, and so, you know what? I'm reading my Bible, and sometimes every once in a while, I'm, try, I'm making it sound too good, every once in a while, I, it's something I have to work at. My mind starts to wander. I'll, you, you, never get, you get done, you read a whole chapter, a couple of chapters, and you get done, you go, I was thinking about, wow, what did, I, what did I just read? 
And it wasn't because it wasn't interesting. It wasn't because it wasn't good. My mind was just somewhere else. And I got to lock in. And, and, and that, takes, that takes effort on my part. So you may not have that problem. I do. I do. And so um, I'm going to take you to one of those portions of Scripture, one of those stories in the Old Testament in just a moment. Before I do that, I want to go, I want to set the framework, the foundation here, and I want to look at a few verses in the New Testament. Here we are, October Missions Month, and I, I want to keep that at the forefront. I don't want that to get lost in the message this evening. Um, God has given us a command as a church, as, as a believer, his children, to go. The Bible tells us we ought to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we're going to take a look at a few of these verses right off the top. Um, I'm going to actually, you know what, I'm going straight up college course on everybody. We did it, we're doing it on Friday, and every once in a while I say, hey, who will read this verse for me? Who will read, who will go to Matthew 28, verse 19? Who will read that for me? You got you to read it loud. This is a big room, really big room. All right, all the way in the back there. Uh, who will go to, make that 19 and 20. All right, David, go ahead and read uh, 28, 19, and 20, Matthew there. Who will read Mark 16, 15? You're going to say, I know all these verses. That's good. That's good. Who will read that one for me? Your King James Bible, Mark 16, 15. All right, there we go. Another back row. Man, these people in the back row are on top of it tonight. <laughs> Amen. Uh, how about, let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Who will read that? Romans 10, four, okay, there we go, Romans 10, 14. And then I do have one more, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, there in your King James Bible. Who will read that one? Okay, Mr. Yurkin. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Okay, loudly, we'll do this quickly and efficiently, let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. Amen. Amen to that. Mark 16, 15. Who will read that? Go ahead. Hey, preach, preach the gospel. What did I say next? Romans 10, 14. How shall they hear without a preacher? Mm. And then finally, where did you go? Oh, Mr. Jurgen, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. 2 Timothy 4, 2. Preach the word, be in, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Very good. We are to go. We are to teach and train. We are to go and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And that is something, unfortunately and sadly enough, something we are losing in America today. Preaching. Something that we could, something we can 
take for granted here at Community Baptist Temple. Something we get week in and week out, service in and service out. Our preacher is preaching the Word of God. You know what? It's not as, um, what's the word, I guess, popular today. It's not as practical today. I mean, people don't want to hear some preacher get up and slobber and spit and scream and yell. They want, they want to be taught the scriptures, and there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. Don't miss it. We, we, we read it just a moment ago, the teaching and the training. But how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? We've got to go and preach the word. Preach the word. That's what the apostle Paul told young Timothy. You go preach the word. That's what we've got to be ready and willing to do today. Let's go, everyone, together to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 13. First Kings chapter 13. And I guess if I were to pull one verse from this portion of Scripture that we'll use and where my title is found would be verse number 10. Um, but really, I need this entire chapter tonight to bring this message, uh, the thoughts that I have for you. And I want to tie, I want to connect these verses, this story, to what I have just mentioned by way of introduction, the importance of preaching, the importance of doing, let me just say it this way, the importance of doing things God's way. We are very good at finding our own direction, going our own way, doing our own thing, and just are completely baffled when we come across results that we just never expected possible. God has given us the roadmap. God has given us exactly what we need to, to live a victorious Christian life, yet many times... We still go our own direction. We continue to do our own thing and hope and expect even results that Christ has promised us as the victorious Christian that we ought to be. It's not possible unless we do it God's way. Just Saturday at the Bible Club, if you haven't been to a Bible Club, get there. We've only got a few left. I'm holding up a, a, a piece of paper here, a little booklet. It says, Jesus said, I am the, I had the kids continue to say it over, I am the way. way. I am the way. Man, I, I just tell you, I don't want to get stuck here, but I just, I, I thought it was a blessing. I thought it was awesome. It was amazing. On Saturday, we were, we were doing the Bible Club, and we, we normally start with competitions and games. We have fun with the kids, and, and everyone was having a blast. We were all having a good old time. And we, we, we made our way into the Bible lesson. We were quoting some scripture. The kids were doing a good job repeating me. And I'd ask them questions uh, periodically throughout the lesson. And they'd, they, they'd shout it out. And they were involved. And they were raising their hands. Through the course of the Bible lesson, we had four or five kids just walk up and have a seat while we were teaching, while we had the Bible open. And I, I thought that was amazing. You say, well, all the, the kids are coming when you're playing games and you're giving stuff away. It was in the middle of the Bible lesson. We had four or five, I think it was five children make their way to the Bible club right where we were at. And that's amazing because this is what I want them to get right here. This is what I, I want them to get this book, the Bible. And we've got it. We have this in our possession and the world needs it. 
We have the good news, and we are to give it. Let's go give the world the good news of salvation, what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. Let's not hold that or keep that to ourselves. Now, I want to talk to you about a preacher tonight, a man of God. Um, as it's said here in, in 1 Kings chapter 13, and he was, he was courageous, he was bold, even fearless if, as we see him here. He was forgiving. This was a good guy. Now, to give just a little bit of background for just a moment, leading up to 1 Kings chapter 13, Israel, they're, they're in a tough spot. They're in a bad spot right now. They're making a wicked transition toward idolatry. And it's extremely unfortunate because just a few years prior, just a few years before, I mean, they were at the height of their power there with Solomon and his, his great wisdom. Um, but some poor decisions were made at the end of his life that really sent Israel spiraling down a very scary path. Uh, and it ultimately led to idolatry. That's where it went. And here we have a king, Jeroboam, who is going the wrong direction. Uh, the kingdom has been split at this point. You got Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. And at the point that we find in verse, say, verse 21 through 24 of chapter 12, Rehoboam, the king, Judah, Benjamin, they're headed after, they're planning on taking on Israel, their brethren, their own. And God says, he tells the man of God, he says, let them know, let the king know, tell Rehoboam, you're not, I don't want you fighting your brethren, all right? I don't want you going after them. Yes, they're going the wrong direction. They're, they have gone to, to false gods, idolatry, but no, 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 I don't want you fighting them. That's, that, that's not what we're going to do here. So what does God do? He sends the man of God to confront King Jeroboam and the direction that he's headed. Chapter 13, verse number 1, is where we pick up there. 1 Kings 13 says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. You've got the man of God speaking, and he cried against the altar and the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah, by, the, by name. And upon thee shall, be, uh, shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. The man of God steps up. He stands out. He speaks against the direction that Israel's going. Jeroboam, he says, no, this is wrong. This is not right. He cries aloud. He stands up. He shouts. He says, no, this is not the direction that God wants you to go. That takes boldness, courage, fearlessness. And I'm telling you, we can, we can draw some parallels here to Israel and the direction that America is going today. And it's going to take a man, a woman of God to stand up, to stand against the way, the direction of this world. What the world says is right. What the world says is acceptable. And the sad and the most scary part of all is that the church is falling right in line. 
Yes, I can see a sinful, wicked world, but it's unfortunate that our pulpits and that our churches, the pews today, are filled with the same vile, wretched, sinful wickedness that we can find and that we see in our world today. There's no difference. There's no separation. Our Sunday schools are full of worldliness. Our youth groups are full of worldliness. Our church choirs are full of worldliness. And it took a man of God to stand up and say, no, not going to happen. This is not right. A little scary because Jeroboam, he's the king, head honcho, and he says, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Don't tell me what to do, Mr. Prophet, Mr. Man of God. Preacher, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And how many pews, how many people in the pew today will listen to a message preached from this pulpit and say, I don't want to hear what you have to say, preacher? I hope that's not the case. Because God is in this thing. God sent that man to King Jeroboam. And he rose his hand to take out that man of God. And what an interesting picture here we see. (laughs) He goes... He goes, to go, he goes to hit him or tells one of his men to do so. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it completely, but his arm freezes, dries up, frozen. I don't know how it froze up. I don't know if it was like mid-punch, but he's frozen that way. And if, at first, it might not have seemed like anything, but five, ten minutes later, his arm's still there. And I could imagine... People are thinking, what's going on with the king? What's wrong? And the king's going, I can't do anything about that. (laughs) What do I do? I don't know. And so what does he do? Oh, oh, prophet, preacher, man of God, I'm sorry. I realize my wrong. No, not exactly. While his tune did change, he just says, would you please ask your God? Entreat, please beg, ask your God to, to, to heal my arm." Bring it back to normal, please. And can I tell you, I said the man of God was fearless in the stand, the boldness that he demonstrated, but he was forgiving. That man was getting ready to take out, excuse me, the king was getting ready to take out this man of God. And in that moment of weakness, asked, please help me. Please talk to your God, help me. And the man of God did. He He asked of his Lord and God healed the arm. Got the use back. And the king was grateful. He was thankful. He said, why don't you come on back with me? Come to my place. I'll give you some food and some water. You had, you, it was quite a journey, you coming here. And I want you to be able to kick back and relax. Just enjoy for a little bit. And, and the man of God says, no, I can't. I can't do that. And we'll find out as we pick up in verse number seven, exactly what I explained there. I'll continue reading on. This is where the story gets a little interesting. I'm going to read a few verses here, and I just ask that you read along with me and really do your best to stay focused. This is story time, okay? So just read these verses. This is quite interesting. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse number 7, And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. The man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread nor drink water. Turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way 
and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king. Then they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. And went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I am a prophet as, also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. That old man, that old prophet, excuse me, he says, he goes after that man of God and he tells him, listen, an angel told me to tell you, come on back. <laughs> come on back and get you some food and some water. We'd just be just fine. It's very clear. Verse number 18, but he was lying. This man, this old prophet was lying. And I, 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 I'm going to continue reading in just a moment and we'll find that the consequences are rather drastic here. This was a large, a very big mistake. You see, just a moment ago, the king had asked Come on into my house. I gave you some food and water. I, I got you a reward for all that you've done here. And, and the man of God says, I can't. God doesn't want me to stick around. He wants me to get out of here. And in fact, he told me he doesn't even want me going the same direction I came. I got to go another way. He stuck to his guns and he went another way. But an old man heard about it, an old prophet, and he lied to him. He said, the angel said it'll be just fine. And that old, that man of God must not have been confident enough in what God had said to him personally, took the word of that old prophet and went back to Bethel to eat. I want to talk to you, I want to preach a message tonight entitled, Another Way. Another Way, verse number 10. So he went, so he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. He came to Bethel this way and went that way to get home. He went another way. And can I tell you, even within the confines, we're talking about Israel here, even within the confines of our churches today, if we are going to be obedient to God, if we're going to be faithful to what he has called and asked us, begged us to do, it may appear that we are going another way. Even within the walls of this church, you say, I'm just so different just because I'm doing what God tells me 
what to do. Number one, I got a few questions. Perhaps this man had a few questions. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But first question to this little story that I've just brought to light, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? I'm talking about direction. I'm talking about the way. I'm talking about actually another way. Why go another way? What was God thinking? What was God doing? And right off the bat, I want to throw this out there. It's, pr- it's a good idea, a good habit for each and every single one of us to get. We, we need to be very careful in asking why when God tells us to do something. Now, it doesn't say that the man of God asked why, but I'm curious. I'm wondering why did he have to go another way? He got there. And God wants them to go another direction to get home. Why is this? Well, as I read a few chapters before, a few chapters after, try to get within the context of this story and what's taking place and where Israel's at and some of the things I've already alluded to just a moment ago, guess what? These are high-trafficked routes. I'm just going to give you a few few reasons right off the bat. These are high-trafficked routes that King Jeroboam has sent the people to Bethel. He sent the people to Dan. What are they going to do? They're going to worship false gods. They're going to worship another god. They are forsaking their own god. And I don't believe, I believe this with all of my heart. God didn't want the man of God anywhere near that crowd. He didn't want him walking that path. Maybe it was influence. I don't know. Perhaps, maybe not just influence, but abstain from all appearance of evil. I don't know. Say, hey, Jim, how's it going? I didn't expect to see you. You going to Bethel too? I'm going to Bethel. Yeah, we're going to the priest to set that uh, big old party down there in Bethel. We're going to go worship the false god. No, I'm not. That's not me. That's not really why I was here. I'm not not a part of that crowd. Oh, okay. Sure. All right. We've got to be very careful with who we associate with. We've got to be very careful where we go, what we do, we got to be very careful with what we look like, how we act, what we say, what we wear. We are to be different. We need to go another way. The world is wicked, and it's, it's on a path towards destruction, and God knows that. He wants you to go a different direction. That's what he wants of his church, not because he hates you. Oh, man of God, prophet, I want you to get your exercise in today, so I want you to go the complete opposite way. Just because, just for fun, because I like making your life miserable. <laughs> Chuckle, I laugh. <laughs> no, that's, that wouldn't be the case. Of course it wouldn't be the case. But somehow we get the idea that that preacher standing behind that pulpit wants to make your life miserable when he starts preaching the word of God. And it goes contrary to, to what we want what my flesh desires. And when God points something out through our personal devotions, like, ah, that hurts. I don't want to hear that. God wants us to go a different way. He wants us to go another direction. Are we okay with it? Well, the man of God, he was following through with it. He was obedient. But how long? Now, I want to take another point here. I want to look at verse number 14. Verse number 10, we saw, so he went another way. Yes, he did. 
He did exactly as the Lord wanted him to do. But verse number 14, I think it's interesting here. Remember that man, that old prophet is after him. He's, he's running for him. He's trying to find him. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? Here we have the man of God resting, sitting still. And I can't help but think, as I apply this thought and this idea to what I have been focused on in regards to my prayers and my feelings and thoughts for this month of missions, we need urgency today in our church. And he was caught. He was tripped up because he was sitting by the way. He was chilling, just relaxing. And can I tell you, we've got way too many Christians in our churches across America who are just sitting by and relaxing. You will get into trouble. You will slip and fall. I'm telling you, God told us to go. Go and preach the gospel. And when we just sit by, when we just get comfortable, and we just simply enjoy that pew, it's really soft, it's nice. I'll just sit there and enjoy this singing. I'll sit there and enjoy the preaching. And I'll even amen every once in a while. I'm behind you, preacher, but don't ask me to get involved. involved. I'm just enjoying myself right here. You're going to get in trouble. The devil's going to get you. The devil's going to get you. Every single one of us are prone to this. Not one of us is past failure. Not one of us is past tripping. Those wiles that Satan sends our way. Those fiery darts. There he is sitting there. Just relaxing. And this sneaky guy finds him. He's got a lie. He says, what's the rush? What's the rush? Folks, we're up against it. Oh, we know we're not promised tomorrow. But this is a wicked world in which we live. And people are dying and going to a devil's hell. The world is very good at influencing the generation that is up and coming. And they know exactly how to do it. They're getting them in school. They're getting them with their video games and their movies, the television, social media. They're hooked. They get on their TikTok and they have a good old time. They are hooked. They've got the next generation. And we go, what can we do? I don't know. We've been trying to do a Bible club for the last three months. We can't make a difference in the world in which we live. What are we going to do? There's no urgency in our churches across America. I'm talking about good, Bible-believing, Baptist churches that have the good news, that knows what the world needs, and we're sitting by all the while. What's the big deal? What's the rush? Well, let's just look. Let's just see what's everybody else doing. Let's get... Let's get out of the habit right now of looking at everybody else and really just start to focus on me. It's very easy to watch what everybody else is doing. I'll try to gauge my spiritual temperature by what the world's doing or by what so-and-so is doing on the other pew over there. That's how I'll gauge. That's how I'll know exactly where I'm at spiritually. That's not how we do it around here. That's not the way God says to do it. Because you 
are not the standard that I'm living up to. And I'm not the standard you're living up to. Jesus Christ is that one. Jesus is the one that we need. Jesus is the one we look to. What's everyone else doing? I think it could have been very, very easy. The reason I say that is I think it could have been very easy for that man. The man of God just saw a great victory. He, 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 he stood up to the king and things overall turned out fairly well. He wasn't executed. He wasn't killed. He wasn't mocked, made fun of, really. I mean, overall, things went well. And he takes a look at this man who's now questioning him, a man who's feeding him a lie. He's an old prophet, an old man of God. And he's living in Bethel. Should be fine there, right? He said that the Lord spoke to him. And can I tell you one of the things that scares me the most? This is one of the points that scares me the most in our churches today, especially in regards to young people. This thought right here. I'm looking at that old prophet as, as he's described here in this, in this chapter. And you know what we do? We see a person that doesn't have standards that are outlined the way that we, heard, we hear preached and the way we see in Scripture. But that person just seems really godly. They hear from God. They seem to have things going for them. None of the same standards. Uh, church isn't as important. They don't even go to church that faithfully, but I know they read their Bible because they talk about how much they read their Bible. They even, they'll memorize scripture. They'll even talk about Jesus at work sometimes, but I don't, I don't get it. They don't go to church very often, but they seem to be really spiritual, very deceptive. And that is extremely dangerous. For a generation that says, a, a new generation, a young generation that says, oh, so I can live like that. I can, I, I don't have to go to church as much as the preacher says you gotta go to church. And what's with all these standards that the preacher's trying to shove down my throat? I can be spiritual. The devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's very good at what he does. Remember, he is a liar. He is a liar. How did he get old Eve? He's going to deceive you. He's going to deceive us or at least try to. Don't be deceived by the lies of, lies of Satan. See, what's the big deal? Another way? Why? What's the rush? Everyone else is doing it. He's fine. He's living in Bethel. You don't even want me to go that direction. He's living there. He hears from God. As we continue on, and I'll close it down, we see the consequences of this big mistake. Verse number 20, and it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place, of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. And it came to pass after he had eaten after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. 
his carcass was cast into the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Are we, are we talking about the same prophet who was just standing before the king a moment ago, telling him about how, how wicked he was for serving those false gods? Is this the same guy? Now he's dead, he's gone, just because he went the wrong direction? There was a lion in the way. But it, it seemed just fine. And the man of God said it would be okay. What did God say to you? What did God say to me? What does God want me to do? What does God want you to do? Because ultimately, Dad, you're answering to God. Mom, children, individual, you will eventually stand before God by yourself. And you will have to give an account for your actions. The same man of God that same one who was standing fearlessly before that wicked king made a mistake. He went his own way. He did his own thing and has now paid the price, the ultimate price. When God says it's time to go another way, when God says it's time to go another direction, oh, that we would be obedient because God knows what's around the corner. God knows what's coming tomorrow. Oh, and we, I say we, we young people, we, say, we got our whole lives ahead of us, right? We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. God knows what tomorrow is bringing. For each and every single person in this room, we must remember the way. Remember the way that God has for me as an individual, for us as a church, this church, Community Baptist Temple. What does God want for Community Baptist Temple today? And I am thankful for a pastor through the years that has been faithful and obedient. Because there have been some trip cords along the way. You say, well, a preacher, our preacher's been really lucky because the devil hasn't even tried to bother him. Look at this place. This is what the devil is after Community Baptist Temple. Just as he is after our families, our teenagers, he is after our homes, he is after this church, as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And if we go the wrong way, I'm telling you, the devil is bigger, he's badder than any one of us today. Any ten of us today. This congregation, we can't stand up to the devil, and yet we will go our own direction. We will do our own thing. I know what's best. I can handle it. I can't. Can't. The devil will tear us up. God said to that man of God, I want you to go another way. You know, sometimes the way that we were going, the way that we're used to going, is a bit more comfortable, it's a little easier. I'm familiar with it. And God, all of a sudden, he starts speaking to us. He'll start to talk to you. He'll start leading you somewhere. He'll start to tell you to do something, and it's not always comfortable. It's not always the easiest path. But what we don't know, that direction 
that way that we think is easy, that we think is safe. There's a lion over there. There's a lion over there. And unfortunately, we got a a lot of young people who want to go the safe route. I'm just going to make some money and call it good. There's a lion over there. And we can get on our young people, our children and our teenagers and our singles all day long. But we make decisions, every single one of us, every single day. And when we go our own direction, we are taking our very lives. We're putting our very lives in danger because there's a lion over there. Oh, that we would obey. Oh, that we would give ourselves to God in his way. He says, I want you to go another way. You don't understand what that's bringing. You don't know what that's going to get you. These churches, these churches, they think they're doing everyone a favor. Just come as you are. Dress however you want to dress. Act however you want to act. Just show up on Sunday. We'll all sing a few praises, and I'll send you home feeling good about yourself. There's a lion down that path. And he's destroying families. He's destroying marriages. He's destroying lives. And all the while we feel better about ourselves. There's a lion over there. Hmm. It should break our hearts. I thought it was so interesting. I'll close with this. God is so loving. He is so merciful. Jeroboam. Oh, how discouraging it must have been. Israel, they were at the peak, at the height of it all. The world was coming to King Solomon seeking his advice and his wisdom. Oh, the temple was just something to behold. Unbelievable. And now we see Israel just taking a nosedive. And God could have had an an army of over 180,000 men just wipe them out, destroy them. They were ready to do it. And he said, no, 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 no. I don't want you to do that. His love and mercy, what did he do? He didn't send an army. He sent a preacher. He says, I love you. I love you. And I want to take care of you. Will you just hear what I'm saying? That's not the way. That's not the direction you ought to go. I love you. And can I tell you, God loves you today. God loves America today. Oh, he's not happy with the direction we're going, but he loves America. And we should take that attitude. It's easy to get angry at the world today, upset at the coworker. They're just so mean and vile and wretched. I can't stand them. Let's love them as God loves them. Let's share the good news as that preacher is willing to share the good news Because ultimately, the path they're going, the path they're walking down is going to lead to destruction. We have the light. We have the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We have the way, and that way is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ can protect us from that lion. He can take care of us from those fiery darts from Satan who is big and badder than we are. Jesus Christ, he is there for us. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, that we would go his way. God is so good. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Lord, 
I pray that you would just help us today. We can be stubborn. I know I can. Father, we want to go our own direction. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way. Lord, you know where we ought to, where we ought to go. You know what we ought to do. You know who we ought to be. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would be obedient, completely, wholeheartedly, fully obedient. Lord, in the story today, we saw a man of God, a prophet, who started off going the right direction, but he slipped up, paid a very dear price. Oh, Lord, I pray for anyone in the room tonight that has started to veer off to go their own direction, that they would get back on track and go the way that you would have them to go. Oh, Lord, we love you and thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's all stand, every head bowed.